0: Chapter I of Priests on Horseback, Father Farmer, seventeen twenty to seventeen eighty six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Therese. Priests on Horseback, Father Farmer, seventeen twenty to seventeen eighty six, by Eva K. Betts. CHAPTER I. FATHER FARMER MEETS SEBASTIAN Father Farmer cringed a little as another blast of wind drove bullets of rain into his face, and then on down inside his already drenched clothing. The big gray horse he rode shuddered, and seemed ready to refuse to go farther. The storm, now on its second day, had mired the trail, and travel toward the ferry to New Jersey would have been hard even without today's lashing gale. He tried to shrink a little farther inside his greatcoat, and leave less of himself exposed to the weather. At least no one is likely to be out to shoot me on a day like this, he assured himself with grim humor. Not that anyone ever has, but you never know. In the early days of the colonies, missionaries like Father Farmer needed to be brave. It helped a good deal if they had a sense of humor, too. He slapped the reins against his horse's neck not so much to urge him on as to remind the animal that his rider was still there. The horse cantered a pace or two, and then settled back to the steady stride which carried him over seemingly endless miles without exhaustion. The cold, driving rain continued. And to think how disappointed I was when I learned that I was not to be sent to the China missions, Father Farmer thought. I was afraid life would be too easy in the colonies. They were settled and developed, with cities and civilization— and soft living. Of course, Father Schneider used to be shot up both by Indians and by colonists who did not approve of Catholics. But although we still have no rights in the colony, we are rarely attacked any more. The tired horse stumbled over a hole in the trail, and nearly unseated his dreaming rider. But they got by the dangerous moment and continued their journey. Suddenly the animal pricked up his ears. Father Farmer stiffened, knowing that the horse had heard something he had not. It might be a prowling animal intent on its own business, not dangerous unless it was annoyed. It might be a human being, less predictable. A lane joining the road brought the answer. Another horseman was riding down to the bend, going in the same direction as Father Farmer. They exchanged greetings. The priest saw a young man with a pleasant face, a face which seemed better suited for a smile than a dejected look it now wore. The sad young man, in turn, saw a slim, wiry man of middle age, with a face so full of kind gentleness that it warmed one just to look at him. "'Not a good day for riding,' said Father Farmer cheerfully, as they moved together along the trail. "'Not a good day for anything,' grunted the stranger. "'Oh, come now. Every day brings some blessings. This rain—' "'You have your opinions. I have mine.' It seemed as if the conversation was ended, and accepting the gruff words as a dismissal, Father Farmer was about to hurry ahead. But the stranger reached out a hand. "'I'm sorry,' he said. "'There is no reason why I should vent my disappointment on you.' "'That's all right,' Father Farmer smiled. "'When life has treated you badly, it is difficult sometimes not to strike out. Has today been especially bad?' "'I've had the greatest disappointment of my life,' the young man said vehemently. But he did not seem to want to say any more.' and they rode on together in silence. Out of the woods the rain seemed heavier and wetter. Both horses were obviously tiring from the heavy going. The young man suddenly broke the silence. "'Have you much farther to ride?' he asked. "'Not much. I'm heading for Patrick Colvin's ferry to take me across to New Jersey. "'So am I. I hope we can make him hear us over this storm. "'He will be watching for us. For me, at any rate.' said father farmer i sent him word that i would be passing through to-day as the two men jogged along the rain slackened and finally died away altogether before they reached the ferry landing a sickly sun was beginning to shine hello ferryman!" the hail from the priest brought an answer from across the river and in an instant a heavy durham boat was pulled from its landing by a powerful man the big grey horse watched it with suspicion and when the boat reached the Pennsylvania side of the Delaware, protested against boarding what he evidently believed to be an unseaworthy craft. But Father Farmer, with the ferryman's assistance, finally got him aboard. "'I'll be back,' Patrick assured the other man, as he pulled away from the shallows. As the Durham boat tossed a little on the swift-running water, the big gray horse snorted and rolled his eyes until the whites showed. "'He's not much of a sailor, Father.' "'He likes the dry land better.' "'Agreed Father Farmer. "'Do you think it would be all right for me to spend the night with you, Patrick?' he asked, after a moment. "'It's quite likely that many of the folk in Trenton know who I am,' you realize. "'That's true, Father, and they know that Patrick Colvin's a Catholic, too. "'But they still run my ferry when they want to go to Philadelphia.' "'Well, I would certainly like to take advantage of your offer. "'But each time I do so, I wonder if I'm being fair to you.' governor bernard's orders forbade oh those orders are ten years old who minds them now in seventeen sixty eight the boat reached the wharf and the men worked to convince the horse that it was not only possible but necessary for him to depart the animal hadn't enjoyed being in the boat but he seemed to like getting out of it even less will you wait here father farmer while i go back for the lad or would you prefer to go over to the house i'll wait the priest said smiling and we can go together. As the boat pulled away, Father Farmer tethered his horse to a fence and then pulled his register from his pocket. Before he began checking his list of baptisms and marriages, he turned to the back cover of the book, on which he had written the governor's edict, of which he and Colvin, the ferryman, had spoken. "You are to permit a liberty of conscience," it said, "to all persons except papists." It is interesting. Mused the priest, that in this land established by people seeking freedom of worship, so few people are willing to grant it to others. Oh, well, things are not too bad now. The Jersey laws of the first years of the century would have called me an incendiary and disturber of public peace and safety. I would have been sentenced to life imprisonment. I wonder if I would have been allowed reading matter in jail. For a few moments, he amused himself in making mental lists of books to be taken to jail and when he came back to the world around him, he saw that the ferry had almost completed its trip. It brought back, as passenger, the young man who might have recently heard a life sentence imposed on himself, or have suffered some similar disaster. Gloomily he got out of the boat. Shrouded in sorrow, he helped Colvin make the ferry fast for the night. Father Farmer, this is Sebastian Haas. Father Farmer knew that since Colvin had given him his title instead of calling him Mr., the young man must either be a Catholic himself or at least be well disposed. Father Farmer, you were English then, said Sebastian in surprise. I thought I heard a foreign accent. Not English, I mean. Your ears didn't deceive you. I'm not English. I was born in Swabia. But when I was ordained a Jesuit and knew that I was coming to the colonies, It seemed better to change my name from Steinmeier, my real name, to Farmer. That's much easier for most people to say, said the priest. But I thought that ten years in this land had removed all trace of my foreign birth from my speech, and that I sounded like a native. Just how does a native sound, father? asked Patrick. A good question. I spent some years in Maryland, and the people there say many words quite differently from you here in New Jersey. While in Philadelphia, "'but I am delaying you, and you must be tired after your day's work.' "'Sebastian will spend the night with us,' said Colvin, as the three men started toward the little house within hailing distance of the ferry wharf. "'He comes from Alloway's Creek, near Wisterburg.' "'That is where I am heading for,' exclaimed Father Farmer. "'We can ride over together to-morrow.' "'Sebastian murmured in unenthusiastic assent, and Colvin hastily broke in with an explanation.' He was in philadelphia to meet his sweetheart we were to go to st joseph's church to be married young haas took up since we were small children we had planned to be married one day and our parents were as happy about it as we were but father farmer was puzzled when the boat from the netherlands docked my greta was aboard all right but the captain insisted she had paid only half the cost of the passage whether it was an honest misunderstanding or whether the captain saw a chance to make extra money, I don't know. But she had no more money, and I hadn't enough for the balance demanded, so she was sold as a redemptioner to a Philadelphia man. No wonder, Father Farmer thought, that the young man was so sad. They walked in silence until they reached the house. Father Farmer, who had led his horse the short distance, turned the reins over to Patrick Colvin, as did Sebastian. Colvin took the animals to a small shed in the yard. The priest, carrying a bulky package which had been strapped to his saddle, went with Sebastian into the house. Three years I waited,' the young man broke out. Greta worked and saved to earn her passage money, and studied hard at her English, while my brothers and I prepared a home for her. They are waiting now to welcome their new sister. "'The pleasure is only put off for a while,' consoled the priest. "'She is at least on the same side of the ocean.' but what good is that? She is not with me. It won't take you long to earn the redemption money, I am sure. But suppose the man will not accept it? Suppose he insists she work the five years? It is his privilege, and any one who once knew my Greta. She is strong and clever. Oh, come now, why suppose only unpleasant things? There are kind and good people in the world, you know. The meal was simple but plentiful. Patrick Colvin, because of his agreeability, was able to buy to advantage, and often received gifts of produce and even meat from the farmers he ferried across on their way to Philadelphia. When the supper was over, the three men settled down for an evening of talk. Father Farmer turned the conversation to the political unrest in the land. He hoped to distract Sebastian a little from his disappointment. Colvin understood, and began to hold forth on the iniquities of the English. It would seem that England was just trying to see how long the patience of the colonists would hold out he said. Sebastian nodded. I can't understand it, he said. Three years ago this March they passed the Stamp Act, and found that the hive from which they tried to take the honey was full of angry bees. Snow no official had the courage to enforce that act. Father Farmo chuckled at Sebastian's picture of the seething indignation of the colonists. So in March the next year they repealed that act, but shortly thereafter passed the Mutiny Act, added Colvin, taking up the tale. "'I have a friend who was in New York when the first English troops were landed,' put in Father Farmer. "'When the people understood that they were supposed to feed and quarter these men, they were furiously angry,' my friend said. "'What do you think will be the outcome, Father?' asked Patrick Colvin. "'The tax which England imposed last year on tea, glass, painter's colors, and so on will stay,' so they say, until the colonists comply with the Mutiny Act, and that, if I know them, they will never do.' The king may listen to the petition sent in January by the Massachusetts Assembly, said the priest slowly, though I am inclined to doubt it. He would be well advised to do so, however. In Boston, which now also has troops quartered on it, the feeling of resentment is strong and growing stronger, I hear. I am afraid there will be bloodshed if the situation continues very much longer. Is there any talk in Philadelphia, father, of the colonies breaking away from England, and becoming independent? If there is, Sebastian, I haven't heard it. I would doubt that it was being seriously considered. A companionable silence settled on the room. It was broken for some time, only by the crackle of logs burning in the fireplace. The hunting and trapping is good near Alloway's Creek. Sebastian seemed unaware that he had spoken aloud, but was evidently part of a thought he had in mind. The two older men smiled. Yes, you can get many good pelts, agreed Patrick Colvin. It won't be too long before you raise the money to buy Greta's freedom. Sebastian flushed. I didn't mean to air my worries. I'll work out my problems. Father, he said, evidently determined to change the subject. We hear a good deal about some letters published in the Philadelphia newspaper. Oh, the so-called Letters of a Farmer in Pennsylvania. Masterpieces of reason and reasonableness, all of them. Who writes them, do you know? asked Colvin. Yes, they are the works of John Dickinson, a well-known lawyer in Philadelphia. If his letters can't make the English Parliament see the point of view of the colonists, I don't know what will. If they don't listen to the reasonable among us, said Sebastian, I have a feeling that before long they'll be confronted by something more difficult to deal with. The Sons of Liberty are growing quite strong in many places. France would be pleased, I think, said Patrick Colvin, if there was a revolt in the colonies, They have not been at all happy since they lost Canada to the English, and are only too eager to have the colonies break away. I wonder if that would be wise. Father Farmer's voice was grave. It could not be done, if it were possible, at all, without awful bloodshed. Brother would be turned against brother. I doubt that it will come to war, says Sebastian. The British know, now, that in political affairs we will insist on home rule and that we won't tolerate unjust taxes or unconstitutional laws. It will work out, I feel sure. Let's end on that hopeful note, said Patrick, laughing. Sun-up will come, all too soon, in any event, and if we talk more of the night away. He broke off with a shrug. I'll sleep here in front of the fire. Father Farmer's voice was firm, but there was a twinkle in his eye. I know of old that it's no use arguing with you, Father, said Patrick, so though I do think it would be more fitting if you took the bed, I'll give you the straw bag as I usually do. You're growing wiser, approved the priest. And you, young Sebastian? Can share my bed if you'd like, broke in Patrick. I'll share the floor. Let me go to the barn for straw, and I'll settle down quietly. As you wish, Patrick agreed. Patrick was already in his bed when Sebastian returned, but Father Farmer was kneeling, his head bowed in prayer. Sebastian knelt for a moment too, but he was on his straw and asleep before father farmer moved chapter one recording by Maria Therese.